Bible Interact is a group of Bible scholars and biblical archaeologists who promote the Hebraic nature of Scripture and view the two Testaments as one unified message. They explain how they use a first-century approach to searching the Scriptures, and they share their methods and discoveries for discussion and dialogue. They invite your comments and participation on BibleInteract.tv, where you can also find more teachings, self-study quizzes, webinars, and interviews. Shalom. I am Dr. Ann Davis of Bible Interact. We are a group of uh, Bible teachers, Bible scholars, and one of us is a biblical archaeologist. And we bring you this program we call Bible Interact Presents. In the last week, I showed you how dramatically different the, the ancient Hebraic way of listening to Scripture, going to Scripture, interpreting, understanding Scripture, how different it was from our modern way, which is is essentially coming from the Greek tradition, which has led to uh, our modern, Western, analytical, black-and-white way of, of, of looking at the Bible. It's really very different. And I'm, I'm, my goal is to recover these ancient methods of Bible study and to be able to explain them to you and to um, share with you um, a lot of my work that is a result of using these ancient methods. Now, just very brief review. Last week we looked at, let's start with the Greek modern way because that's what we know. It's very direct. It's analytical. It's black and white. You know, there is a truth and there's an untruth. You recognize this. By the way, that has led to, what do we say, I think that over 38,000 Christian denominations, each one claiming to have the truth. Another very important thing is that our modern way elevates certain people who have a lot of knowledge. I mean, they're, they're, they're university professors, they're um, preachers, they are teachers, and and they even stand elevated above people because they're considered to be the you know the the ones with all the learning. Now the Hebraic way is very very different. First of all, um, the the master who has a disciple, the goal of the master is that his disciple will exceed him. So the the master may have have knowledge but the master does not elevate himself or herself above the disciples in fact the way of teaching is not with head knowledge yes there's head knowledge and the and the master is going to share some head knowledge but the most important thing is the way the master lives his way of living this this is what determines a a true leader of God's people. Now, another thing is that you don't have to go to university, seminary, have a lot of degrees and everything to, to, to get into the depth of Scripture and to grow close to God. You simply have to have a heart that hungers. Now, I suggest that it has to be an equal balance between the heart and the head. You know, you can't have all heart. You can't just say, oh, the Holy Spirit told me what it means. And you can't just, you know, get numerous PhDs and say, I'm now an authority, I stand above everybody else. It has to be an equal heart and head. Now, what we're going to do today is I'm going to go in and I'm going to explain to you the artistic nature of the language, and I'm going to give you an example from Scripture. There appear to be two different accounts of God's creation of mankind. 
And now the Greek Western way would say, oh, there's probably two different uh, traditions, you know, two different strains of, of thought that were brought together in editing process. Now, the Hebraic way is to say God is the author, God is infinite, therefore his word is infinite, and he has hidden mysteries in his scripture. And um, the people of ancient Israel didn't have books. They, they, they heard scripture. They memorized it. They heard it. So they would hear certain things. When it was strange, um, they would like sit up and take notice. This is strange. There's something strange about this. And they believed that God had marked it in this strange way to draw them into the depth of scripture. Now, this is very strange. There appear to be two accounts of God's creating mankind. Let's take a look at them. By the way, it's nice if you have your Bible. If you're driving in the car and don't have a Bible, don't start to look at it while you're driving. <laughs> um, these um, radio programs um, are repeated for a week, and then we put them up as podcasts, and, and you can see them then. All right. If you have your Bible, take a look, and I'll read it for you. Take a look at uh, Genesis one twenty-seven. It says, God created man in his own image. Well, God is perfect, righteous, holy, all light, no darkness, all truth. And, and, and God created you, and he created me in his own image. He created, um, it's Adam, which, which means mankind, in, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. He, um, let's see, no, he created, uh, let's see, God, let me read it again. God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, I'm not going to go into the male and female part. That's a very interesting study in itself. I'm just after this God's creation of mankind in his own image. Now, you go over to uh, chapter 2, verse 7, and we read, The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. These appear to be two different accounts of, of, of God creating mankind. Now, let's take a look at, first of all, the people of ancient Israel would have heard this difference and they would not have concluded it was an editing process. They would have concluded that God has done this for a purpose and it's going to draw us into the deeper meaning. Now, the next thing we're going to do is we're going to listen to the text and we're going to hear things. What did they hear? Well, you know, they heard repetition. They heard contrast. They, there are a million different things they heard. And I'm not going to give you a list. Let, let's just work it here. All right. In the first account, God created man in his own image. What you need to do is you need to be what I call curious George and, and let your curiosity um, draw you to certain key words. Now, the ancient ear would have heard the word create. God created man in his own image. Why? Because the, the first usage of create is right there in the beginning of uh, Genesis, Bereshit, Bereshit, because it... it um, Chapter 1, verse 1 starts out, Bereshit, Bereshit bara Elohim et ha-shamayim ve-et aretz What we're getting here is Bereshit is in the beginning. Bara is our verb for create. Bara Elohim. In Hebrew, the, the verb typically comes before the, the subject here. So it's, you know, Bereshit bara Elohim. And what did he create? which is uh, the heavens and the earth. So, now, as, as, as the creation account continues, create, the word create, bara, is not used. It's not used again. 
You know, God said, let there be light, and there was light. You know, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters. God said, let the waters below the heavens be gathered into one place. And he goes on, God said, God said, God said. God is simply speaking things into being. But in, 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 the, in Bereshit, in the beginning, bara Elohim, God created. Now, all of a sudden, in verse 27, we get, in the English you read it, and God created man in his own image. Now, listen to the Hebrew, because the, the, the Hebrew sounds like Genesis 1.1. So we have, bara Elohim, et adam Beitzalmo. Well, the end is, is, is different, but the be- it starts out the beginning. Bara Elohim. And, and Eta Adam, he, he, he created um, Adam, mankind, Beitzalmo, in his image. So the ear hears that, and, and it's this, wow, all of a sudden, there's another create. God created the heavens and the earth, and now, wow, he's creating mankind. And so we have to learn to listen, and and I want you to be drawn to these key words. The key word here is bara, which means to create. Now, um, it, you know, if you work that word in Scripture, I'm not going to do it with you now, but, but you need to learn how to work these words in Scripture, which you can do by going to BibleInteract.com. And by the way, we, we have another website, BibleInteract.tv, that we've just launched. And we're putting up all kinds of, of video teachings on BibleInteract.tv. Um, we've got, I think, 45 up now, and each month we're going to be adding about 8 to 12 more teachings. So, um, and, and these are, are video teachings that, that you're welcome to, to come in and, and uh, enjoy. Okay, so, bara, create, is, is the sense of being absolutely perfect. You know, there's no flaw in it at all. And, in, and if God created... Adam, mankind, in his own image, he was creating them without any flaw. They were righteous, they were perfect, they, they, were, they were complete and holy. Now, what I want you to do now, before we go any farther here, is to turn to uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. This is the account of uh, the man, and of Adam and Eve, and, and th- that man needs a wife, man needs a helpmate. Now, um, let me go back for just a minute to say that when we were in Genesis 1.27, if God created man in his own image and, and mankind was righteous, they were one. There was no separation between them. You see, the separation didn't come until after the fall of Adam and Eve. Before the fall of Adam and Eve, mankind and God were one. They were totally unified. There was no separation between them because mankind was created in a righteous condition. Now we get over into Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. Man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall become one. So God created the marriage institution in the beginning as a unified relationship, just the way that he created mankind in a unified relationship with him. Now, after the fall, unfortunately, marriage uh, dissolved and, and is rarely a unified relationship. Although, as uh, believers in Yeshua, with hearts that truly desire to walk in God's ways, we need to apply to our marriage a desire. I know it's not always easy, 
um, a desire to become one with our marriage partner. Now, that doesn't mean that if you're not one with your marriage partner, you're a total failure. I mean, I, I've done a whole teaching on that about, um, you know, what does the Bible say about divorce? Um, and uh, so don't go down that road, please. Just Just look at in the beginning... Mankind was one with God, unified with God, no separation. And in the beginning, the marriage relationship was one of total unification. Why was it totally unified? We go on to the next verse here. It says, after they, the man and, and the wife shall become one, one flesh, and the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Um, the naked is... is um, to be in a condition where you, um, it, it, you know, the world, God can see whether you're sin, a sinner or not, <laughs> and they were not ashamed because they had no sin. They were in that righteous condition. The fall had not occurred yet. They were in that righteous condition. So um, now, th- there's more here, and I'm going to take you into the next part because now we have to go into the second apparent account of God's creation of mankind. And that is in uh, chapter 2, verse 7. Now, I want you to listen. Listen with that first century ear, the way way the people of ancient Israel would have listened. Let's read the first one again, and then I'm going to go right into the second one. All right? God created mankind in his own image. The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. What's your key word? Let me read it again. The Lord God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and man became a living being. Your key word here is formed because it's in parallel with created. In the first account, God created man. In this second account, God formed man. We've got two different verbs. We've got two different things going on here. Now, um, you need to know what the Hebrew word for formed is. I'm going to tell you, but... You know, our whole goal at Bible Interact is, uh, is, to, is to teach you how you can go into Scripture and uncover its depth the way we do. You know, we don't want to be people up on a platform telling you, oh, this is what Scripture means, this is what we saw. We don't want to do that. We, we want to we show you how you can do it. There's a lot to learn. Um, you know, we're going to take little bites here in our radio program, but each week I'll, I'll show you a little bit more. And if you really want to get in and learn, then go to the Bible Interact website. Okay, the word formed is the Hebrew word yatsar. It means to shape. And I want to take you to, um, you know, the, the way, how do you know what yatsar means? You can look it up and get an English definition, but that is absolutely the wrong thing to do because you're not working in Hebrew you're working in English you know I tell my students that all they have to know is the Hebrew alphabet and we put up on our website bibleinteract.com you see we have two websites we have bibleinteract.com we have bibleinteract.tv bibleinteract.com click on Hebrew and Greek (laughs) it's under education, continuing education or something like that. Click on Hebrew and Greek and there it, I've, I've, 
I've put up on the website a simple way of learning the, the Hebrew alphabet. You learn it first by listening. And um, I'll expl- I explain to you in that little uh, video teaching. Uh, um, is it video? Yes, it's video. It's a video teaching. Um, how you know how I learn how I learn that language um, I mean Hebrew and I, I approached it the way the ancient people of Israel it's done from from hearing and I think it's and, and, and people find that it's an it's a fairly easy way to learn the Hebrew alphabet anyway you need to know the Hebrew alphabet once you know the Hebrew alphabet in time you will learn how to go into these words and get something other than Strong's English definition what the people of ancient Israel did is they let their minds roam around Scripture. They had memorized Scripture, and they, they would pull out passages that had that same word in it. Um, and, and that would help them gain a rich understanding of the word. Now, you don't have to do it in Hebrew. You can do it in English. But at least you have to go around the Hebrew Scriptures and find how the word, how, you know, different ways that the word is used. All right, what I want to do here is I want to take you, let's see, to Isaiah... And I'm looking here. Oh, it's Isaiah chapter 29. So if you have your Bible, turn to Isaiah chapter 29. If you don't have your Bible, don't stop the cart. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll read it for you. So Isaiah 29, and I'm going to be reading in verse 15. The Lord said, Because this people draw near with their words. What we're getting here is we're getting Isaiah saying, You people of Israel, you're walking in the ways of the world. You're not in alignment and harmony with God. Sit up, take notice. These are words of judgment here, but they're they're not... The whole purpose of these words is to get people to sit up and and turn away from the ways of the world to the ways of God. Because this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me and their reverence for me consists of tradition um, and learned by road, it's been added in my, my translation. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously with this people, wondrously marvelous, and the wisdom of their, their wise men shall perish, and the discernment of their discerning men shall be concealed. And then it goes on here, uh, and, and woe to those. So it, the language is all, you know, you're not walking in the ways of the world. You're, you're walking, I mean, you're not walking in the ways of God. You're walking in the ways of the world. Now, in verse 16, we hear something very interesting. It's a rhetorical question. Rhetorical question is to ask a question and everybody knows the answer. It's a very powerful way of teaching. And it says, Shall the potter be considered as equal with clay? Now we're getting, Hebrew is filled with these visual images. You've got a, a picture of the potter. Who's the potter? It's God. And, and what's the clay? Remember he formed man out of the dust of the earth? Well, he, he's, he's this potter with the clay. Um, shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay that what is made should say to its maker, he did not make me? Or what is formed, that's our word yatsar, what is formed say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. So what we're getting here is we're getting a picture of a potter and a potter's wheel that is shaping you, shaping me. And it started with uh, God formed man from the dust of the earth, and now we're getting here. He's still in the process of forming and shaping. 
this is what's going on now. Yes, there was the fall. Yes, we are separated from God because because of our, our sinful nature. However, God is in the process of shaping us back into his image. Now, we've got some very interesting, um, you know, I'm going to give you one more uh, very interesting verse in the New Testament, Paul's uh, letter to the Galatians. Paul says, I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. Now, this is a fascinating verse. Paul is the one who's in labor. You know, we're supposed to be in labor, that that God is in the process of, of birthing us, of forming us from a seed into, a you know, a real... Uh, into the fruit, into the full bearing fruit. That's a process of formation. But uh, Paul is is using irony. He says, I'm the one that's in labor because I'm the teacher and I'm the one trying to, you know, knock you between the eyeballs to get you to understand who Yeshua is, why he he had to die, why he was resurrected from the cross, what that means, um, and, and, and why Gentile believers who neither knew the law nor were they circumcised are walking around doing miracles because they have the gift of the Holy Spirit. I'm trying to teach you these things, and I am in labor because I'm laboring to teach you these things. And then he goes on, I am in labor until Christ is formed in you. That's our word for shaping or forming. So Paul is the teacher who's trying to shape and form these people that he's trying to teach. Well, God is working through Paul. God is in the process of trying to shape you and form you. This is all very interesting because what we have here is, is I call it a two-step program. <laughs> and, and I'm also a, um, I'm a baseball junkie. I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts, and um, I'm a fanatic Red Sox fan. I watch all my Red Sox games. So my my visual image is, you know, you get to first base, but you're not you don't get a run until you get home. So from first you have to get to second base to third base until you can get home. So so what we have here is um um is God is in the process of forming us, and that shaping process is, is taking us around the bases to get us home. Now, we don't have to be completely righteous in order to be saved and belong to God, because now we go into the Hebraic sense of time. The Greek time is points on a line. If it happened in the past, it's over and done with. We can only access it by memory. If it's future, it hasn't happened yet. We can only access it by imagination. The Hebraic sense of time is that God created time, he is in time. He is in all aspects of time. So in the beginning, you were with him in a completely righteous condition. In the future, you will be with him in a completely righteous condition. But now he is in the process of shaping you, forming you to restore you. That's the restoration to restore you to the original condition, but at a higher level. Um, Another very important thing to understand here in the Hebraic sense of time is that uh, God sees you as perfect and righteous. Now, if you're a parent, all right, when you have a child who is born, that child is absolutely perfect and righteous. There's no sin in that child. And, And you see that child as perfect. I mean, there's nothing, you know, that child is a gift from God, and that child is perfect. That's the way God sees you. Now, he says, I'm going to give you instruction about how you can grow into how I see you. <laughs> and by the way, he gives instruction in, in, in to Israel, he gave it in two ways. 
now that we have uh, Yeshua as our Messiah, we have the same two ways plus a third way. Now let me go over that with you before I end this session. The first method of instruction is the law. God gave the law to Israel. It is still available to us today. And the law refers to the Hebrew Scriptures. That's what it refers to. All right, And the kernel of the law is the Torah. The prophets and the writings are commentary on the Torah. God gave the Torah, and, and, and the prophets and the writings are commentary on the Torah. God gave the law to Israel, and it is available to Christians today if they just wake up and start going into it and learning it. By the way, the New Testament is a commentary on the, uh, the Tanakh, on the Hebrew Scriptures, on the Old Testament. <laughs> oh, God gave the law, and he also instructs through what is called testing. Testing is to fall down, scrape your knee, and to yell, God, help, and you turn away from the world to him. Now we have, through our faith in Yeshua, we have the gift of the Holy Spirit, which guides us. So these are the ways that God is in the process of forming us. He created us in a righteous condition. He sees us as righteous, but now he says, I'm throwing you into the world, and this is an opportunity for you to be shaped and formed into the righteousness that I have created in you. So that's how we use these these ancient methods of searching the scriptures. We started with something strange or puzzling. We went in, we saw some key words, we let our ear hear the key words, and, and, and we worked it. And I hope you are as blessed in hearing it as I was in preparing it. Uh, with that, I will wish you shalom. Um. <laughs>